0: Hello and welcome to the Gen AI podcast. I'm Jamie Van Leeuwen and joined as always by Dr. Michael Collo. Hi, Jamie. How's it going? Wonderful. How are you? Fantastic. Fantastic. We've got a great, great, great guest on rather today, and that is Senior Education Specialist at Adobe, Tim Kitchen. Tim,
1: how are you? I'm very well. Thank you, Jamie. Michael, it's lovely to join you this morning very early. Yeah,
0: (laughs) fantastic. Thank you so much for jumping on today. Let's dive straight into it. AI is really in the focus, in the spotlight at the moment, particularly for a company like Adobe, bringing out new tools, really trying to jump into this space. Can you tell us how it's been for you over the past uh, little while?
1: Well, actually, AI has been a part of Adobe for many, many years. In fact, when I first started working for Adobe as their education specialist back in 2013, was around about the time that we were really pushing what we call adobe sensei which is our ai engine into a number of our programs probably most famous is uh when when with photoshop when we're able to select objects right click fill and all of a sudden that object has disappeared and has been filled in with some generative ai and that was like very early days And almost like magic when you saw that happening for the very first time and now that's common practice for many artists around the world but i guess i'm i'm coming to you from a education background and uh and and just to see how ai is able to help students and teachers who might normally not sort of gravitate to some of those professional creativity tools but now able to because of ai
0: yeah. Can you tell us a bit about that? I mean, you go into schools. I mean, you're a lecturer. You're talking with people who are seeing a lot of this technology, maybe for the first time. What kind of conversations, what kind of reactions are you getting from these students at the moment?
1: Well, it's it's a way in, really. Like, for instance, yesterday I was working with a school in Melbourne. And when I showed some of the students the, the new Adobe Firefly, as, which is currently a, a public beta, so anyone can go in and have a look at it and, and join the beta if they, if they can be bothered waiting at the moment. there's such a big waiting list to get into it. But um, it just blew them away to be able to see that you've got a version of chat GPT for images, and that's what Firefly is. So you literally describe what you want your image to be, and five seconds later, You've got four different options of the image, and then you can start manipulating it from there. And that just blows people away right from the start. And that that becomes the beginning of a conversation in terms of what does that mean for us as creatives? What does that mean for us as human beings when we're seeing the computer actually doing, doing the artwork for you? And so it's a really interesting conversation about where we're heading in, in terms of art. And what does that mean for us who may not be thinking that we're all that creative and the concept of creativity and how important that is in all aspects of life?
0: I love that point. I mean, that's the conversation I've had. When I talk to photographers and artists, uh, they can be scared. And I kind of understand that because this technology is coming out that they think may be encroaching on what they have spent their entire lives trying to do. I'm not saying that these new AI tools are the same as picking up a paintbrush, picking up a camera. They're definitely different, but I think it's fantastic that these tools allow people who don't think they're necessarily creative, who can't paint masterpieces, who don't have access maybe to cameras and things like that can now start to create some fantastic imagery that gives them you know, plenty of pleasure.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's it's interesting when we look at the concept of creativity, and uh, recently I've been, I, I spent almost a year last year with uh, Dr. Tim Patston from, he's currently at Monash University in their education faculty, but he's he's one of Australia's leading researchers in creativity and innovation in education. And um, I got him to keynote uh, an event that I was running for um, Adobe education leaders and teachers in general last year in Sydney. And then I I got to spend some time with him at Monash and his book got published last year. I was able to read the book. So I immersed myself in his work and he spent a a lot of time with Professor James Kaufman, who's uh, an American psychologist from the University of Connecticut. And he's well known for his research on creativity. Together uh, with also Professor Ronald Begetto, they came up with this 4C model of creativity. And this is really interesting because often when people... I asked, "Are you creative?" They say, "Oh, I'm not creative," because they they think of creativity as being the big C creative, the the um, Picasso's, the Mozarts, the people who are like are the extreme. The, the way that um, Kaufman judges a big C creative is you have to be dead for fifty years <laughs> and your work still be appreciated. Yeah. I mean, hardly anyone's going to reach that level of big C. So what what they've what they've done is they've rated creativity as mini C, which is when we're really young, uh, four or five year olds, we're just starting to to paint and and sing and everything. Our whole world is is it's about creativity. Then you progress to little C creativity, and pretty much that's where education is at. And anyone can be a little C creative, and that's what we're sort of pushing in education to try and get people to think outside the square, to 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 use AI as a way of stimulating thought and uh, to come up with new ideas, collaborate with other people, problem solve. And eventually you might make your way to the third level, which is pro-C creative. And that's where I'd probably put myself as as someone who's worked for 30 years in the education system and and spent over 30 years developing skills in creativity, moving from little C to pro-C because my whole world is based around Encouraging creativity, and I see lots of teachers and lecturers and educators around the world who I'd say are at that pro C, but I don't think I've ever actually met personally a big C creative. And when you look at creativity like that, it opens up a whole new world, and you realise, yes, I can be creative.
2: So, so, do you think that um chat gpt might be the big C? So, so if, if you come with me for a moment, like I suppose one of the concerns or questions that people have when they see, uh, an AI draw a picture is, is this technology going to replace me or, or make me better, augment me. And I yeah. think, you know, the, as you say, I think the technology could be used to train creativity, but obviously the, the fear is, well, if it can do it quicker and, and maybe even somewhat better than I can, then maybe I shouldn't even go down the, that pathway because creativity involves, lots of wonderful things, but it it involves effort. It involves, um, you know, you kind of throwing yourself into a problem, taking chances, all of these kinds of self-development elements. So I'm kind of just wondering your thoughts around this new breed of generative technology, whether it's image or text, kind of setting a bar that might actually work to dissuade people from going through that journey versus a world where it's actually being used to train us and, and to make us more creative so that the bar doesn't seem so high anymore.
1: I guess it it depends on your attitude towards it. And, uh, I mean, sure, if you're just using AI to be the be-all and end-all and and end-result, there's not a lot of creativity involved in that. It's when you're using AI to get to the next level or to get started or to prompt ideas, I think that's where it's wonderful. I'm I'm thinking back to when I was a student, um, I struggled with spelling. And then when they invented... Uh, spell checkers that's a form of ai it's uh, you're actually seeing uh an assistance and a help there to get started and and now um i mean uh, i was told when i was in year 10 to possibly go and look for a trade because i I really wasn't going to go and complete year 11 and 12 all that well uh, because i was struggling my whole focus in in those years of my life was around sport and girls, to be honest with you. And I wasn't interested in, in academia at all, even though my father was a surgeon and my mother was an academic. My, my life wasn't based around that. But because I was good at sport, uh, they, they pushed me into year 11 and 12 because they said, you're going to be the first 11 wicketkeeper for our school. So we really, we need you to stay at our school. And so I was so pleased that that was the case. And then I used spell checking. I used the computers that were around at the time in the mid 80s to help me and 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 achieve what i was able to achieve and I, I i take that in terms of today we've got the ai now such as chat, chat gpt such as firefly that can help us get started and help us get to that next level and uh, i think it's fantastic it's it's almost like when you go back to history and think about how when the caveman discovered the fire for the first time and then it was able to do some great things but also some Terrible things as well. And you could take that same metaphor with um, the printing press as to back in the, what was it, 15th century, 1492, or whatever it was, and Gutenberg invented it for a great purpose, but then it also used in a really um, negative way as well from uh, different sort of perspectives. Uh, history is full of these opportunities where technology has been able to be a great assistance, but also potentially not such a great thing as well
2: and do you think that um i mean creativity is such a wonderful word i think i think we all kind of a rally around it and, and they're very positive do you think that generative ai is creative would, would Would you say that um giving it a certain kinds of prompts as an example for ChatGPT, to say blend two ideas or three ideas together and come up with something new do you think that is a form of creativity
1: it's modeling it's training on 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 work that was creative initially. I think so. When you look at ChatGPT, it's 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 taking bits and pieces from people from all over the world and 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 text that's come through that it's training on. If you look at Firefly, the images that it's generating are because it's been modeled on images that have already been created by creatives, and uh, that's that's where the creativity, the actual composition itself. Um, I'm not sure if I'd call it creativity because I see creativity as being very much a, a human thing, but where the where the original sources were, that's where the creativity is. And so if we're coming back to the idea of, of how does AI affect creatives and how, sh- how should creatives be threatened by AI, well, at the moment, AI is relying on people being creative and building this work so that they, the AI can be trained on that work. For now, right? Over yeah, who knows? Now. Who knows what will happen <laughs> down the track for sure. Well,
0: we've talked about it um, on this podcast. You know, how long until AI has some cameras set up that it can constantly tap into or how long until new works are able to be generated that haven't necessarily been trained but the the AI has the uh, know-how, I suppose, or the tools at its disposal like a camera that's always plugged into To take its own shots and then start blending and and playing around with things like that so that'll be interesting if you can start to remove the human element but we won't go down that rabbit hole right now Uh, tim i'd love to talk to you about the future of the education system what you think this might all mean for schools in australia for schools around the world you mentioned for creativity uh it's so important those first years of life to kind of foster that what do you kind of see schools looking like in the future
1: it's a great question, and it's a question we've been battling for decades, well, probably ever since education in, uh, was created. But the reality is that the education system as it currently sits and has sat for a long time is not really designed to be creative. It's it's very focused on standardised testing. It's It's very focused on numbers, curriculum, a curriculum that was written maybe 10 years ago, Trying to be relevant for today but within that there are lots of there's lots of gray between the black and the white and lots of opportunities to be creative and the way i see the future of education is to dwell on the importance of creativity we're actually one of the first countries in the world to actually have creativity as a as a part of our curriculum There's only, uh, from from some of the research that I've been reading, I think there's only 15 curriculums worldwide that actually mention the word creativity. So it's starting to happen. And we're kind of a leader in that way. What we're seeing in industry is how creativity is becoming an important part of the vision statements with, with companies We're seeing the work out of the World Economic Forum uh, since about 2016, where they've been rating creativity as one of the top skills to thrive in the future, along with problem-solving, collaboration. But when you look at those top soft skills as such, they're all around creativity. Problem-solving is about creativity. Collaboration is a key part of creativity. And so in the education system, if we can take that more seriously and realize that every time we set an assessment for our students, we should be throwing in elements of creativity, of collaboration, of problem solving, and building those skills up rather than just focusing on the next test and then forgetting everything until the next unit starts. That's what education should be in the future, focusing on creativity.
2: And and I think that that's a great question to then link it back to generative AI. So if you're you're a school today in australia let's say a high school um and you're seeing this new technology come out you're seeing a lot of press about it you're seeing that it could threaten your students are using it because that's what they do you know, my son was using it yesterday to study history for example and a whole bunch of other things um how how do you approach this because you know as you say you're in, locked into a system that has a certain testing uh, and, and a certain setup and this technology that comes along and, you know, in some ways threatens that system, in some ways reinforces it, in some ways it could be used in different ways. And people have had very different reactions from, you know, head in the sand to complete banning to encouragement with warnings and everything in between. I mean, um, what do you see or how do you think the the current industry, for example, the education industry could could make use of this technology or should should be thinking about it?
1: Yeah, well, the first thing that um, a number of departments did uh, in state school systems was ban it straight away. ChatGPT, that is, as soon as it became the big thing at the start of this year. So it's all very new and 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 threatening, which is why the automatic reaction is to ban until we review, I think is the official title. But um, it's been interesting to read in the Age newspaper, for instance, recently, we had a whole lot of articles from independent schools and how they're using ChatGPT in a really positive way with their students. So one of the benefits of being in an independent school is you're not tied to what the state says you have to do. But the reality is when I do go into state schools, sure, there's a ban. The reality is the kids are still using it, even though they're under the age of when they're supposed to. Of course, they're going to be using it. I mean, it's such a great assistance and help. And I remember whenever I wrote an essay when I was at school, I would get my mum to check it just to make sure I had the grammar right, had the spelling right, the, the, the way that the sentence structure was there, because she was very good and she was very patient and she was really helpful. She was my chat GPT at the time. <laughs> and <laughs> so now I don't need to go to my mum. And, uh, and that, that's really helpful. And we've been doing that for, for years. A, a good student will always get help and support from the people that are around them. And now we've got chat GPT. That's one way that it can assist you. The problem is, of course, if students are just relying on ChatGPT to do the work for them rather than them doing the work and then getting ChatGPT to actually check it for them or rewrite the, the, the paragraph that they have actually written, that's where it gets problematic because the students aren't actually being creative. They're not actually doing anything. They're not actually learning anything. And then when it comes to sitting an exam, they're stuck because that's the system that you have to go and sit an exam. One of the things I'm trying to encourage this year is to to solve the problem of did the student do it through ChatGPT or not, is to maybe turn it into a visual essay. Let's actually get the students to present whatever the content is. Now, it can be done in a video, it can be done in a web page, something in a creative way. ChatGPT can be there as as a help and support, but it can't actually do the presentation for you because it's you doing it for them now to do that with the technology that they've got around them such as multimedia technology that's a real benefit because the most important thing is we're trying to get the students to understand the content to learn the content to present the content and in the process of doing that they're developing a number of different skills including creativity skills and chat gpt becomes just part of that process i I think that's a really good point i um
2: so, for example, I mentioned my son before, so the way that he was using it was not to write the output for the essay, but to basically get the system to explain to him uh, an element of history. And I said, well, why, why do you use it? And he said, well, I can just ask again and again in slightly different ways. And it'll give me different different explanations until I understand something. So it's exactly to your point about proactive education or tailored education that it's able to do as well as actually pretending to be a historic figure. So I've used it in the past to say, hey, uh, be a you know 19th century gentleman and tell me what you had for breakfast or or know uh, the name of your horse or whatever. And then you kind of get this kind of playful firsthand perspective. But I think the days where you read a chapter or two chapters about a particular topic and that's the only perspective and the only format that you get and the only way you get it served, this system kind of upends that that whole idea. But I think to your point, this idea of, okay, so did you actually understand what you were being taught? Mm -hmm. Then is ultimately, I think, an evaluation of that person's representation of it back again, whether it's an essay or a conversation or a presentation or whatever else it is. They have to kind of make it their own and then Mm -hmm. kind of represent that. And and I think that that's where the interesting problem, because the the flat-out use of ChatGPT to write an essay for you um, is an interesting one, because it writes pretty good essays, so maybe you learn how to write really good essays, and maybe ChatGPT will kind of influence and educate a whole generation of essay writers uh, to do it as a particular way. Who you know, a coder in OpenAI in West Coast of uh, California decided. So there's all kinds of interesting, excuse me, embedded mm-hmm. elements here as well, right?
0: And it's probably a bit unrealistic for the education system to think that things haven't changed. I mean, every industry is having to grapple with the way the world has kind of changed since AI started ramping up over the past four, five, six months. So I suppose from the education point of view it's it's about how they really integrate and you know a, a flat ban is never going to work so it's how you know kids are allowed to work with it and 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 do different kinds of essays going to have to be a bit more creative with the way that we start testing kids
1: Yeah for sure um just like when when the phone, the, the mobile phone came out, I was actually teaching at the time and I thought it was just brilliant and it was such a great tool. The students had the whole world in their pocket and in their hand and the way that I managed that uh, as a classroom teacher with um it was a girl's school when, when phones came at where I was teaching. I just said to the girls, all right, put your phones on the desks, face down for the moment. Uh, there'll be a time when I want you to use it and a time when I want you to take a photo of the of the board at uh, the time, I want you to actually do some quick recording or make a little video based on what whatever we're doing with our unit of work. And it was a, a classroom management process. And then it became so problematic because some teachers felt it really hard to manage the fact that the girls were constantly checking for their social media all the time and hiding it that that. the the idea was to ban it. And that's the current state where we're supposed to be in at the moment in most schools. You've banned this incredible device that's been so helpful in so many different ways and, in fact, is the main network that most young people have with the world and suddenly we're banning it. And so we're creating this division between what is a norm for a teenager and, and the normal society and then education. And that creates a chasm and a problem. And I can understand and I, I can understand why we ban it and, and I can understand the social sides of it all and the welfare sides, particularly when I walked out in um, lunchtime and I often see the girls just sitting there in front of their phones all the time instead of talking to others and playing sport and, and, and that, that, that was an issue. But in terms of um, how we manage that as an education system, it's important to realise that we need to be directing students for the real world. And when they get into the real world, there's no ban on mobile phones. You're using them all the time. When you go to the real world, there's no ban on chat GPT in the real world. We're using it all the time. So as educators, it's really important for us to model and to guide our young people to use it in the correct way. I, I, I think that's
2: right. And, and just on that, I think the there's a resiliency point that you point out, right, where you you build a certain kind of resiliency into uh people so to enable them to make decisions in, in their adult life later on so i think anytime that you ban or restrict you're basically treating people like you're unable to control yourself and so therefore i'm going to do it for you but then you kind of i think raise citizens that are also kind of guided by that uh, as opposed to the kind of enablement element of it and i think especially for chat gpt the recent stories where we've seen the letter to please stop uh, development of this technology or we've seen uh, more recently Voices in AI coming up and saying, look, this is a really big deal. We should regulate, regulate, regulate. I, I feel like that's a little bit like a kind of a, a reactionary stance, a little bit to what you described from education that says, this is this this could be really dangerous. This could be developed. And this is a vat of uranium. It could be, it could be, it could be this or could be that. So therefore we better ban, ban, ban. And I'm I'm still like, I, when I see the good of this kind of thing, I, I see, to your point, a, a year eight, year nine math shooter, assistant math tutor on every single kid's desk in the world who has a wi-fi connection language notwithstanding i think they do speak many languages i, I see that kind of civilization lifting capability that's within it but uh, but as many people have pointed out there's a naivety to that in the sense that well clearly it's also going to funnel straight into social media mm-hmm. and create a whole bunch of other content that's going to take more of our attention and kind of manipulate us and, and sell us more stuff and so on but what i'm particularly interested in i think in this conversation is this idea of the, the essence of human humanity that that remains and guides these systems in the going forward. I think a big one is this creativity and this wonder of using these tools, being encouraged, not not being kind of, I suppose, defensive about it, but, but sort of saying, Yeah, I'm a creative person. I can pick up these tools. I can do something. I can't hold a brush but but I can tell in words what I want to see and then Mm. I can evaluate beauty and I can use it and so on so to me all of these things that lead you to this kind of idea of what you've already mentioned which is creativity training and and
0: enabling people excuse me one other thing I'd like to talk about is for teachers I mean I've got a lot of friends who are teachers stressed out of their minds classrooms are stretched uh they really do if I'm honest they feel under supported Um, And there's a lot of kind of issues at the moment, I think, from the teacher's perspective. Do you think that this, Tim, could be something that helps them? Because, you know, classrooms in some areas are getting bigger. Uh, Classrooms are maybe getting a bit more disruptive and disrupted. Uh, Do you think that this could help the teachers to kind of manage that workload and, you know, help with their workflow too?
1: Look, um, it's a tough job. Being a teacher, it's not an easy job and it never really has been. When you're dealing with human beings, human to human, there's always going to be issues and it's always going to be a difficult job, but it's one of the best jobs in the world and I loved every day of being a teacher when I was a classroom teacher for 23 years and now I get to go and visit schools and universities literally all over the world and I see the stress and I I see exactly what you're talking about there, Jamie, And I hear about it, I read about it, and I've got friends who have been teachers for a long time. I've got now a daughter who's doing education, who's going into the system. She's now a learning support person at a school. And I'm hoping she'll last more than the five years, which is the current retention rate of of most teachers. But I see her passion. I see her, her love for her students. So I'm pretty sure she'll be fine. To answer your question, uh, when we get technologies like ChatGPT, there are ways of using that type of technology to help with the teaching process. One of the things that we need to do constantly is, is assess and, and provide feedback to our students. So when I was even when I was teaching back over 10 years ago now, we were coming up with software that would help us with our report writing. So there would be banks of comments that would be pre-designated uh, and and at the time, it was like, why would you do that? Surely you'd be writing a personal comment for each individual student. Well, the reality is I had over 250 students to write for. So, of course, I'm going to use the technology and, and have similar themes. And I'm going to individualize it, but it's going to be based on the banks of comments that I've already pre-written the year before or whatever, because it just, it's a time saver. It's more efficient. It's more effective to do it. They still get a personal report which is accurate it just saves me time now that's where technology like chat gpt and and other ai that we're creating can be really helpful for teachers to help them save time rather than sitting there having to recreate constantly all the time the other big issue for teachers is lesson plans and um, content uh, teaching resources and and to, to use technology to be able to help produce your lesson plans and to produce the, uh, the teaching resources for the students, again, is a time saver. And we've got great resources out there already that are, are being generated by teachers all over the world. And it can be a collaborative effort. I'm, I'm thinking at the moment, obviously, because I work for Adobe, is the Adobe Education Exchange. We've got a million teachers who who work on the Adobe Education Exchange providing resources, what's worked for them in their classroom, they're happy to pass on to teachers all over the world. And it's it's about not reinventing the wheel. And looking for those ways to help as a teacher can be really rewarding, uh, make you a better teacher, but most importantly, help your students because the students will become more engaged if you're more engaged as a teacher as well.
2: Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I, would, I would kind of add to that roll call of use cases for teachers by saying you can also take an essay if it's written electronically or if even if it's not, as we've discovered, and put it through ChatGPT to tell you what are the elements that the student has focused on, has not focused on, has picked up, and so on. And obviously, you need to give us some guidance to, to to talk about your style and what you find compelling and interesting. But to be honest with you, we already live in a pretty standardized world where... We're told what to look for to give good marks or bad marks and therefore that standardization means that we're just applying that standard set of rules again 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 i used to mark exams for LSE, london school of economics for the uh, it was actually the overseas class uh, cohort which was primarily from asia and i would probably mark myself about a thousand exams a year mm. and what you find is when you go past a couple of hundred you're just a machine you're just a machine now Applying a certain structure and rules and going through systematically, and so this notion of kind of personalised education, knowing something like okay they're, they're, these people I've never really met before until I signed the, you know, looked at their exams, even if they wrote me poems at the back of the exams to, to get better marks or something. Um, the the whole point is that you're starting to get to that scale where you no longer, and to your point about the bigger classrooms, more subjects, more material, I think when you start to hit that scale, it's very hard now to to humanise every single one of those engagements. So. I think ChatGPT can also do a lot to help teachers mark, go through 50 essays, provide for you uh, statistics on the whole thing, provide for you elements where the class seems to be lagging or certain individual seems to be lagging, uh, and inform you of what those look like, and then help you to write those assessment notes for yourself or for for the parents as well. So, the whole through the whole process, I would say, um, it's a very powerful uh, augmentation tool.
0: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see the way it all kind of pans out. Tim, I want to ask you a kind of more open-ended question uh, now. Are you more confident now with AI coming through in the education system to improve than you were, say, a few years ago?
1: I am always overjoyed and confident when I meet young teachers who are embracing this type of technology and seeing the benefits of it. Uh, As I said yesterday, I was at a school all day and I, I, I spent two classes with two young teachers who were in their first couple of years of teaching and the 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 buzz that they were getting from just seeing how this type of technology can work and as soon as I showed them um, Firefly for instance their eyes just lit up and they think oh my goodness and I, I said to them and I said to the students how can you use this technology in your subject areas or what, what sort of ways and I said, you've got one minute now to chat to the person next to you about how you could use it. And that is a really creative exercise in itself, just to then just to see what they come up with and then sharing their concepts. And the, the students were sort of umming and ring and so on, but the teachers, like, wow, they would come. Oh, I can use it in this, I can use it for this, I can use it for this student. Oh, this student's gonna be fan. And that's what I uh, that gave me great hope to see these young teachers seeing how they can engage with the technology and get excited about it for a reason, not just for themselves, but most importantly, for their students. And that gives me a real sense of hope for the future.
2: What a wonderful way to uh, end our podcast.
0: Beautiful. Thank you so much again, Tim. That's really insightful to have a chat to you about the education system, about AI, about technology, creativity, all the good stuff.
2: We covered everything. It's awesome.
0: (laughs) Thank you so much for coming on. Uh, We'd love to have a chat to you again soon.
1: Good on you. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Tim.